This is the Influencer Girl Lifestyle Podcast, episode 22. Hi, I'm Monica Woodhams, and this is the Influencer Girl Lifestyle Podcast. I'm an influencer consultant and success coach, and I'm interviewing entrepreneurs, influencers, and industry experts who are making an impact and influencing the world so that we can start to live a life that we are so totally obsessed with. chatting with Becca Booker. Becca is an Instagram friend of mine. We've never met in person, but I feel like we are friends now from the Instagram world, as crazy, as weird as that may sound. Um, If you're a blogger, this probably sounds normal to you, but otherwise it might sound bizarre. But Becca is so funny. Her Instagram stories just She's always keeping it real. She's not trying to like sugarcoat um, things or even only post like the glamorous side of blogging. She just is like, this is just real life. So I really appreciate that about her. So Becca is a Facebook ad specialist. She does freelance social media. She's a lifestyle blogger. And she just, you know, she's really honest about what it means to be an entrepreneur, what it means to start your own business. And you're going to see that in this episode of how she opens up about, you know, making that transition from her job to freelancing and being on her own, as well as talking about Facebook advertising and really getting your blog out there in front of people and doing it in a way that is intentional and not just kind of like haphazardly trying to create too much work for yourself. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I know I really enjoyed recording it. It was really fun. So enjoy. Hey y'all, I am here today with Becca Booker. She's a social media and Facebook advertising manager for lifestyle brands and businesses. She helps implement social media and Facebook advertising strategies in order to elevate their brand and reach. So hi Becca, thank you so much for joining today. Hi Monica, thank you for having me. (laughs) Yay, I'm so excited for this conversation because I mean... I feel like every entrepreneur at some point is like, okay, why does social media drive me nuts? Why do I need to be on Facebook ads? Do I have to be on Facebook ads? Just like, I think you cover what every entrepreneur is like, what the heck? Why am I doing this? (laughs) Yes. And that is both like a blessing and a curse for my business because I get some people who are like ready to dive in and they know what they want. And then I have those other people who are like, I have no idea what's going on. I have to explain that to them. (laughs) Totally. So I think it's interesting how you mentioned that one thing that sets you apart is that you have degrees both in journalism and marketing, which it's funny that you say that because that's the same for me. And I think like, yeah, yeah. Um, And I think it's like those two should go together. Where I went to university, they were in separate schools. But I remember you went to TCU, right? Yeah. Yeah. I did my own stocking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and then I, you went to, did, did you go to yes. Arizona State? Okay. Mutual <laughs> <Yep. Okay. laughs> yeah. stocking. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So for at ASU, was it like, were they in the same school or? No. Separate? So okay. I actually went in my freshman year as a business communication major. And that was like a, it was a BA and everyone in the business school was basically like, 
telling me that that was the dumbest thing I could have done. I need to switch to a BS. So I like four weeks in switched to marketing. And then I realized like maybe a year in that um, I was set to graduate like a year early and I was having way too much fun (laughs) at Arizona State. So I added on journalism my sophomore year, which is actually it's even worse than being in two different schools. Not only was it like a journalism school and a business school, but the journalism campus was in downtown Phoenix and the business school was in Tempe. So I was like commuting. (laughs) Yeah. So it wasn't the most ideal situation, but I, I, I mean, I loved it. Yeah. Did you know that the two would mesh so perfectly together? No, I don't think I really knew what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) Like I had a friend, so my emphasis in journalism was in PR and they're like, I mean, I'm sure it's the same for you. Like there was maybe one social media class offered through the journalism school. Um, there wasn't anything being offered through marketing yet. There was like a digital marketing class, but everyone who had taken it just told me like, you'll learn more if you just get an internship. Like it's so basic. Um, and I, I, I've been talking enough to where I already forget what you asked me. <laughs> I'm going in a circle. Well, just like realizing that journalism and marketing actually is like oh, the perfect combination. Yes. Seriously. I think when I started realizing it is when I did get my first internship because I was like, there were so many, um, I guess I would say classmates who just didn't have that same like grammatical uh, knowledge that I was getting in the journalism classes, or there were these journalism students trying to do social media that had literally no strategy behind it. They were just bumping out the facts, right? So it just, it was like the perfect storm. Like it worked out so great. And I can't believe, you know, here I am. So (laughs) yeah, I love it. And I mean, it's so funny. I didn't realize we had similar backgrounds in that sense because through journalism, I also did the PR emphasis. Oh, no way. And what's so funny is that I think like you said, like I took one social media class Mm -hmm. and I mean, at the time, Instagram didn't even exist. Like Facebook like had maybe – I think it had business pages. I don't even know. But it's yeah, just like, like – I don't know what's going on. What is this platform? <laughs> yeah. So it's just so funny that it's like, okay, the really core of it is what you're saying and like the messaging and being able to create content that yes. isn't grammatically wrong and things yeah. like that. That really does pay off and sets you apart from – so many other people who are doing what you're doing. Completely. And I mean, like I said, I had no idea what I was really setting myself up for, but it just really, it really worked. Um, and also, this is just funny. It reminded me my senior year in um, 2015, I had to do like an honors thesis and I wanted to do it on influencer marketing because it had like just kind of come like, <laughs> isn't it funny? Three years ago, it was just starting. But yeah. there, there wasn't enough data online for me to have enough research to back up anything. So I decided oh not gosh. to do it on that because I would have had to do all my own research, <laughs> which I'm oh like, that's gosh. so dumb. I should have just done it. It probably would have been like a groundbreaking, so timely thesis, but yeah, just goes to show how fast things move. No, it's really true. I, I mean, I had someone uh, reach out to me last week who's doing, who's in business school and they're, that's kind of what they're doing. And so they asked if they could interview me for oh, cool. um, their research. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy that like now this is what people are writing their thesis about. Yes. And like how prominent it is in like a marketing strategy. It's just, it's insane. <laughs> totally. Okay. So you graduated and then you went to work 
mm-hmm. a job. You were. It's not like you started your business right away. No. So what did you do there that led you to realizing that you had the strengths mm. in order to have a freelancing business? Okay. So it's my post-grad life was a little bit untraditional. So I came from a family where um, – like everyone is very academically inclined. Like I felt like I was getting looked down upon going to, not from my parents per se, but maybe like aunts and uncles more so that I was going to Arizona state. And so I was already like a little bit insecure about like my college experience from like my family side of you. So I was like, okay, um, got to get my, uh, fortune 500 company job with a 401k retirement plan, all set up benefits, dental, you name it. So I actually took a job with Target um, right out of college, uh, and it was terrible. (laughs) Did you move up to Minneapolis? No. So it's really confusing. So, and it was almost like a manipulative situation. So I, um, I love Target. I love shopping at Target, and I was like, um, I there's no way I could hate this. And I knew I wasn't going to be doing any social media. Like all of my internships in college had been like social media or digital marketing related. But I kept telling myself, I was like, oh, I'll be able to spend time on the weekends, um, keeping up with social media trends. Like maybe I can do some freelance work on the side to like stay active in the industry. And I was working. So I was, they placed me in a store. My title was executive team lead of guest experience which basically means it's like a fancy word for being the manager customers go to when they have a problem. Stop it. Yes. And I had never (gasps) worked in retail before. So I'm looking back, I'm like, why did they even hire me for that? And why was I excited? Like, it really just didn't mesh up. Um, But I was working 50 hours a week. I had to work every other weekend. So like my plan of staying in the industry just like was not going as I had hoped. Um, so I quit within two and a half months without a job lined up. <laughs> and that, of course, felt like rock bottom where like I had exceeded in all these internships in college. And then I finally enter the real world and I can't even last three months. Like I was like, what have I done? But I just like I just kind of that almost forced me to like hustle even more than I would have if I had gone into social media straight out of graduation. You know, I was like, I have time to make up. Like, I got to I gotta make some moves here. And so I knew a girl who was um, interning at, actually, the same girl set me up with like a two. So I ended up working at two part-time jobs. Um, one, I was a social media, like, account manager. And the other one, mm-hmm. I was a contributor for their blog. Um, and then I ended up being brought on full-time to the blogging position within four months, but they knew my, I had my social media skills. So they brought me on full-time as a social media manager. And then I was promoted to marketing director, maybe like four months, four or five months later, like it happened really fast. Um, the, the girl who was above me left. And so they just bumped me up. And so like, before I knew it, I was feeling like I was going from rock bottom to like in my dream job. (laughs) And, um, I guess in that role, it worked out really well the first year. Like I was learning so much. I felt like I, like I was like 22 at the time and I had a huge advertising budget. And so I got to, um, play around with Facebook ads and, um, take so all these online courses and it was just like so great. And then I just, like, I felt like I was capable of so much more, like maybe, um, maybe another eight months in, like I just started to get a little bit itchy. I don't know if that's like a common feeling. 
Um, but I just like knew that there was something more out there that I, I just wasn't completely fulfilled. Um, and so I took a, I spent a thousand dollars and I took a Facebook advertising course. And I remember I told that to my boss, like it was something I wanted to do for me. Didn't even ask them to, um, you know, like help, like it, it, like it was something I was willing to dive into and put, you know, make the investment and their like jaw dropped. And I was like, Oh, like it just freaked me out. Cause I was like, wait, have I like, is this dumb? Like, should I not be doing this? Um, but it was like a, it was a really good course. It was by Kat Howell. Um, and she's out of like New Zealand and has the biggest Facebook advertising agency in New Zealand. And I literally learned so much. I had a Facebook advertising freelance client within a month. Like it was, it was, I think it was the thing that made me realize like, I can totally do this like outside of work. And so I started, um, trying to build up my freelance work while I was still employed. So I quit this last October. Um, or I guess I started this last October. <laughs> we'll look at it yes. from a positive perspective. Yes. <laughs> um, so right around August, I was like hitting the ground running, trying to build up some freelance gigs. But it's hard when you are employed full time, trying to build up enough freelance gigs to where you feel comfortable enough to like quit your job and lose that income and benefits. and everything. Yeah. Um, (laughs) yes, you know how it is, but I read the you're a badass book. I don't know if you've read it yet. Yes, I have. So good. Life changing. And, um, she, she talks about manifesting your energy and putting your, what you want out in the world. So I kind of just started dropping to like my friends and family. Like I'm thinking about quitting my job. I really want to do social media management and like slowly, I mean, it sounds like fake or it sounds made up, but like the leads started coming in and I wasn't doing anything like, Hey, your friend told me you do this. I'm looking for someone. And so I was able to line up like two bigger clients, um, like October 1st. And I put in my two weeks, I believe October like 7th. And then, so I was like basically lined up and ready to go. But that being said, I feel like it's so much easier said than done. Like I, I even hired, there is an amazing app called BetterHelp and it's like an online therapy. um, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like an application and you get, um, you pay like a monthly fee and you get weekly calls with a therapist. Like you indicate what you're looking for help with. Um, And then you can like text and message them through the app too. Um, And I, yeah, I use Talkspace, which is similar. I think I've heard that. Um, That's so funny. It's funny how many similarities we have now that we keep talking. I know. (laughs) Yes. But um, I chose one who had a background in like um, self-development and coaching. And I basically had her coach me to quit my job. Like it, I, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely not easy quitting your job. Like it's scary. A lot of signs and, um, a big logical part of your brain is telling you like, don't do it. Um, but I signed up for this service for a month and she kind of just like walked me through my fears and she had me plan out a um, financial planner spreadsheet so I would know like exactly how much I need to be making. Um, it was great. Totally worth it. Definitely recommend doing that if you feel like that you need to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. I love that you did that. Who Was that your idea to find something like that? Yeah. Well, it kind of... Sort of. It kind of came just from reading the You're a Badass book, and I knew that she was a self-help coach, 
And I was like, where and how can I get one of these short term and affordably? Um, and so I just came across the better help. Is it better help or better talk? Now I'm forgetting. I think it's better okay. help. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so okay. <laughs> that is so cool and so accessible. I think, I mean, because you can just like go to the website totally. and get oh, things it going. It's so right? much easier. Like, and say like an issue, like say I was at work and something came up that was really bugging me and I was like panicking that maybe they thought I was going to leave. I could literally just shoot her a text message and ask her like, Hey, how would you deal with this situation? And she'd be like, um, reply to me within, I don't know, an hour and I'd be on my way. Like it just, I think that was probably the smartest move I made (laughs) was hiring help. (laughs) Totally. Because your friends and family, you know, they can be supportive and being like, yeah, like we trust you. We know you like make sound decisions, but they're not going to be able to really like have that deeper level of like, okay, let's talk through your fears and just all of that is very different. It is. And it's also like, if I were to fail at freelancing, obviously like my family would be the one to support me and pick me up. So I'm sure my dad was probably Mm -hmm. like, okay, am I going to need to like have some fun set aside to support my daughter if this is a dud, you know? And so I'm sure there was like a small part of his like encouragement where he was like, you know, I'm sure he was like, I'll be here for you if you need it. But he was probably like, oh, God, I hope this goes well. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. So since October, what have been the lessons you've learned from transitioning from working for other people into freelancing? Totally. Um, Well, I thought I was going to be working much less than I am. (laughs) I think this is a pretty common misconception, misconception. So I was probably working like five to 10 hours a week outside of my 40 hours a week at my full-time job. And I just thought like, okay, if I scale this, um, you know, add five or six more clients, I'm working 25 to 30 hours a week. Perfect. Like I'm in business. Uh, no, like the first month <laughs> I was working like 50 hours a week working like every day I was doing something at least, you know, like even on the weekends. Um, And it was just, uh, I worked in an office with all girls who were like all my age and it was really hard going from being alone all day. And that was probably the hardest transition. Um, but now, I mean, what, it's four or five months in, um, it's like, I love it. (laughs) You know, I wouldn't change it, but, um, I would say the whole idea of how much you think you're going to be working was, it was just a lot more work than I anticipated because you forget to take into account the aspect of actually running your business. Like, you know, I factored in yeah. how long I'd be spending on doing client work, but like, I want to be publishing blog posts and newsletters and I need to be following up with leads and building contracts, like all that stuff. Um, totally. Because you you don't just do the freelance work, you have your own blog. Correct. Well. And that's that's actually another thing that, I did that kind of set me up for success and I didn't really realize I was doing it because it like gave me a platform to talk about my life and my business. And I've been able to get some clients through it just through my like influence, um, you know, on social media and on my blog. So everything just kind of fell into place. I love that. And I think, I mean, if we kind of tie back to the, you're a badass book when you're in alignment and 
that's when like things start to flow. Like you start to put all these puzzle pieces together and then the opportunities show up. Right. And all I had to do was like set myself up to be open to that opportunity. Like, you know, yeah, instead like, of like being happened. so scared that you're like, okay, but what if I do get the client yes. and then I'm going to shut down because yes. I'm so scared or of messing up? Or what if it's up. like, what if I tell people I am open for business and no one comes to me and it's embarrassing and I fail? Like it was, it was hard. I guess, yeah, like I feel like now that I'm looking back at it, I make it sound easy, but it was really hard. Like there were days where I was like scared, you know, like I was like, oh my God, what if this client doesn't renew their contract? What if like X, Y, Z? So totally. No. And I mean, I've been running my business for three, almost four years. Mm -hmm. And yesterday I had like a minor meltdown, like what, like (laughs) it's, there's always going to be like that uncertainty that you just have to trust yourself over the fear. But totally. Yeah. I was texting my friend last night. I was like, why am I freaking out about something that's like not even the case? Like yeah, um, like it's probably a small bump in the road. It yeah. same thing happens to me. Like this week, I had like a, another one of those days too, where I had like a client, like shit hit the wall. <laughs> she hit the fan, <laughs> not even the wall. She hit the fan, <laughs> and I was just like panicking. But I mean, then I wake up the next morning, and I'm like, why was I so freaked out about that? <laughs> like I'm I fine. <laughs> I know, and I think it's just like as long as you can be okay with knowing that there's going to be those ups and downs that totally. don't necessarily always come with like a traditional nine to five, which I mean, I was having meltdowns too in my nine to five. I was probably <laughs> having more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just the nature of things. Totally. But, and I think now it's like, better. oh, you go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say like, just being like accepting that and knowing that it's not going to be like this perfect Instagrammable life every single day. Totally. Yeah. Like there are some days I have a hard time even sometimes sharing what I do during the day. Like for example, on Instagram, because some of what I do isn't glamorous at all. And like, I think people think, Oh, you work in social media, you run Instagram accounts. Like you, your life must be so great. And I'm like, it is, but not always the most glamorous. Totally. So what advice do you have for someone who can't decide right now if mm-hmm. they should take the leap? Like if they're mm-hmm. like you in September. Let's yes. Say. Okay. Um, read the You're a Badass book. <laughs> and even <laughs> read, she has like the sequel, The You're a Badass at Making yeah. Money. Like those seriously just propelled and gave me the confidence to take the leap. And also I feel like every person who I've talked to who is a freelancer, the one thing they all say is they wish they had done it earlier. They're like, why did I wait so long to do this? Um, So the hardest part is just getting it out of your head that it's scary, which it is. Um, Mm -hmm. But just learning to accept that and that it's okay and that that's normal and just literally going for it. So we talked about how you dove into freelancing, but let's talk more specifically about Facebook advertising because I know that's something that is foreign to a lot of people, yet they know they they probably should be doing it, but then it's like, do I have the budget for it? I'm just starting out. So first of all, how does someone know if Facebook advertising is right for them? Okay. Um, so definitely... When, so, hmm, how do I want to say this? 
If you are looking to outsource your Facebook advertising, you probably want to make sure you have at least $300 to $500 that you're regularly willing to spend uh, monthly for at least three months. Because um, if you want to really see results, um, Facebook, I mean, it, it turns results instantly. Like you can get results for, you know, 20 cents a click, two cents a click, like super easy. But I think what's the healthier strategy is to think long term. Mm-hmm. And so if you... For influencers and bloggers, I say um, stick to the smaller game. Stick to boosting, stick to promoting link-based blog posts, and if you have any freebies. But for smaller businesses, um, they want to wait till they can spend around 500 a month. Um, and that doesn't include like the fee that you typically pay to have someone manage it. Right. So that's yeah. just the advertising spend. Okay, that's really good to know because I hear people say like, don't boost. And then I hear other people say, mm-hmm. definitely boost. So as someone who's like fully in this every day, why might someone be saying don't boost? And like you're saying, like it actually does help. So <clears throat> I would recommend if you are a blogger, say you post a link to a blog post on your Facebook page. Mm-hmm. I think that is a great uh, piece of content for you to boost on Facebook. I would avoid Instagram boosting only unless you are doing a paid promotion with a brand, or maybe it's not even paid, but you want them to see your potential and increase and maximize your reach mm. um, for Instagram. So smart. Oh my gosh. Yes. So for regular day-to-day blogging and, um, you know, maybe say you wanted to post the link to this podcast episode on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Boosting is the way to go. Like you're going to see a huge increase in um, clicks to your website, engagement on your page. Uh, But if you are wanting to do boosting on Instagram, it's honestly not that great for gaining followers. You might gain some, you'll obviously gain reach and impressions and you'll get likes and comments, but it's really hard to formulate that perfect Instagram post advertisement that drives people to follow you. Okay, so so it's about knowing your industry, and a lot of times it just helps to have that specialist that you can go to, like yourself, instead of being on Pinterest and reading the generic, this is how to run a Facebook ad. Totally. And honestly, even if you just want to go, like, I, a lot of people, myself included, just offer, like, consulting. If you are, feel capable that you can run and boost some Facebook and Instagram ads yourself, just like book an appointment with a ad consultant um, just to make sure you're heading in the right direction with your strategy. Because um, like I said, some things work better for industries than others. So um, it you don't want to be wasting your money. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So when it comes to like, if you're going to try to like DIY it yourself, at least talk to someone first. Because again, like even if you are let's say you're going to spend $300 a month, that's still an investment. Like you want to make sure you don't just. Oh, totally. And then you just spent $300 doing something that's not going to be relevant to your goal. So what type of goals, I guess, should you set if you're going to run Facebook ads? Like what should the objective be? Right. Um, So this will depend on your industry, but there are like, Three main, well, okay, I'll say four main types of advertising. So you can boost Facebook ads 
just to get engagement on them. So Facebook is going to show it in newsfeed to people who are more likely to click like the thumbs up button on posts that they see. Like there are some people who scroll through Instagram all day. They don't touch a thing. Like they just don't engage. So Facebook knows how you behave. It sounds so creepy, but they're going to segment your audience that you select. And if you hit that, your, um, objective is to get more engagement on a post, they're going to show it to people who engage with it more. And this is an important tactic because of um, the marketing technique of social proof. So say you come across a blog post, um, like an ad, that's a blog post, and it has no likes, no comments. It looks like you you probably scroll past it, think like, this is, this is a dud. This can't be good content. So if a blogger is boosting a... Um, a blog post, I'll say spend three or five dollars on engagement and sorry, engaging that post. So getting a couple of people to like and comment and comment on it, and then run it for a traffic based ad. So then you want to try to get people to come to your website, because they'll see the social proof that, oh, other people like this and have commented on it, it must be a good article. Let me check it out. Interesting. Okay, yes. that makes sense. Yeah. So and then oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, like, it's interesting to see here how the different types of ads, like, relate to each other. It's not like there's just these random different ones you can choose from. Right. You kind of have to, like, build a funnel. And there's also, um, there's video ads. And you can get a video view for as little as, like, one cent. Like, it is so affordable on Facebook. Um, And that's great for YouTubers. It's great for bloggers. But you have to upload that video natively to Facebook. So... You can't um, like upload a YouTube link and then run it as a video views ad. You would have to run that as a traffic ad because they're leaving Facebook and going to YouTube. Um, and then the last one I wanted to touch on or the objective is lead generation. Um, and you've probably seen it before. There's a type of ad. It looks like a normal ad um, from the surface. And then you like hit their call to action button and then a form pops up and you give them your name, email, and they can kind of ask you like a couple other questions. But that's great for people in real estate, people looking to grow their subscribers list, people um, people who work in like lead-based sales, mm-hmm. uh, all that good stuff. Okay, awesome. So one thing today when I was thinking about the conversation that we'd be having, one thing that I wanted to talk to you about is kind of like how the influencer industry has changed and how – you know, 10 years ago, you could you could be a blogger influencer and really grow organically. Mm-hmm. But today, personally, if you're just starting out and you're thinking, I'm going to implement the same strategies that people who started 10 years ago did, like... I just right. Oh, it's so frustrating. You know, it's not gonna work. <laughs> I get really yeah, I get frustrated because mm-hmm. they're like, oh well the skinny confidential, she like grew organically. <laughs> she started in a very different time. Oh and totally. Yes, she excelled more so than like other people who also start at that time. It's for because she had that voice that, you know, she really focused on creating. Yeah, she just nailed her personal brand. Totally. She did. But at the same time, like, part of it did have to do with the time. So today, do you think that if someone, let's say they just started their blog in the last year, how would you tell them to let go of the resistance to paid advertising? 
Ah, yes. Um, I actually got a DM from a girl about this. She was like, hey, I just started my blog. How can I increase my traffic? I like, um, I've been running Facebook ads, or I think she'd been doing Instagram boosting, actually. Um, and she hadn't been seeing any results. And if you are just starting out, do not waste your money on Facebook ads. It's just, uh, it's too early. Actually, mm-hmm. I need to rephrase that. Don't waste your money on Instagram ads. Like I said, with boosting Facebook posts that go right back to your blog, those are okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but you really just need to focus like that first year on like building your brand, figuring out who your audience is, figuring out what your audience responds to and what they want to see from you before you can go off and spend some money on getting people to your site. Because like, right, because if you spend $300 and you haven't nailed down your messaging, people are just going to get confused. Totally. And then like this cold audience who you're running an ad to is going to come to your blog and they're going to be like, what are, like, what even is this blog about? Who are you? Why? You know, so it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a chicken and the egg game where, you know, the ads do help with readership. Um, but you really just have to go back to like square one, go back to your branding, uh, really perfect your content and go from there. Yeah. And that's probably where that messaging piece and, you know, your journalism background really comes into play is helping your clients create that long-term message. Not that today I want to talk about lip gloss because I'm really into lip gloss. And so I want to be a beauty blogger. And then tomorrow you're really into like the paleo diet. And so now you want to be a nutrition blogger. Oh my God, exactly. (laughs) And when girls do that, it drives me nuts. (laughs) I'm like, where did this come from? Uh, I know. And it, I mean, as much as it can drive people nuts to say that the success in blogging comes from your consistency and your message, Mm -hmm. like it's just the core foundation of it. Mm -hmm. So did, when I started I started my blog just a little bit over a year ago and it like that was another thing that was harder than I thought. Like it's hard not to get discouraged when you don't see immediate growth and results mm-hmm. and huge amounts of traffic coming to your site. Um, that being said, when I did start my freelancing business full time, it gave me more time to focus on my blog. So I was able to like put more effort into it. Um, but you know, I really didn't start seeing like a loyal following until two months ago, <laughs> you know, right. it's hard. It is. It's, we want that instance of gratification where like we, okay, someone else is telling us we're on the right track, yeah. but it's really like trusting our intuition and asking ourselves if we're on the right track and not, you know, just because you're in it for three months, that doesn't mean like you have to change your entire vision. It just maybe means you have to tweak your messaging and even like get more specific because a lot of my clients they're so scared to niche down they're petrified like they would yes they would rather be stuck where they are than to niche down because they feel like the second they niche down then all of a sudden there's not going to be enough people to right they um, feel like they're blocking out 90 percent of their potential customers right but like with facebook ads the I mean, the beauty behind Facebook ads is that you can niche down and target like a very specific person. Oh, totally. It's, person. it's creepy how much, how specific <laughs> you can get. Like, let what's me think of What's the creepiest thing that you, yeah, what's like the most specific creepiest thing you've oh, been God. able to target? <laughs> let me think. There, are, well, okay. So you can um, obviously target by like 
uh, people's political beliefs. You can target people mm-hmm. if they've been engaged in the last zero to three months, three to six months, um, six to 12 months. And a lot of people in the wedding industry, that's important for them because like the first thing you do when you get engaged is you find a venue, right? You're not going to be looking yeah. at a venue 12 months after you get engaged. Um, yeah. So that's important. What's another creepy thing? I don't know. It'll come to me. I'll think of some. So for the, so let's, uh, for the wedding. So if you're engaged, mm-hmm. is that only people who have their relationship status updated as engaged? Okay. Facebook in its terms and service, terms and policy, I forget what it's called. They have access to who is emailing you. They know what's coming to your inbox. So say you sign up for Zola, the second you, you know, Mm -hmm. you get a registry or something, Facebook's Mm going to know that. And they're going to think it's very likely that this woman is engaged. Um, It's creepy. Um, Facebook knows a lot about us. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, yeah, I think nowadays, like when you sign up for something and like you just if you don't want to like create your username and password and you just do like through Facebook mm-hmm. connect, it's like, oh, like, I mean, I can't even count how many things I probably signed up through like. Through oh, the Facebook me too. Plugin. Totally. Actually, there is a plugin I'll tell everyone about. It's called um, it's a Chrome extension and it's called okay. your data selfie. And what it does is it basically tracks your Facebook activity and it gives you an idea of like what Facebook might know about you. So it's really interesting. Yes. So like it tells me based on what I've liked or what I have disliked, what political party I might be a part of, even though nowhere on my Facebook, you know, I never talk about politics. Um, So it's just like, it's creepy. And they tell you whose content you spend the most time looking at, like out of brands and your friends. Um, so creepy. interesting. Mm-hmm. What's it called again? Your data. Your data selfie. Selfie. Mm-hmm. That's so. I mean, I'm mostly just intrigued by that. Like, if Facebook doesn't know what I'm doing, someone else knows what I'm doing. Oh, I, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> but I just, I'm just curious. Like, what am I doing that yeah. I don't even realize I'm doing? I know, and it's like <laughs> it'll creep you out the first time you look at it. Like, it takes a couple. Like, I give it a couple weeks to really understand, like, your behavior. And then you'll look at it and you'll be like, oh, my God. Like, (laughs) it's crazy (laughs) how much they know about you. That's so funny. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I mean, we can say, like, oh, Facebook knows too much about me. But, I mean, I click on Facebook ads. And a lot of times I'm so glad that that Facebook ad popped up. Totally. Like, I'll maybe say I uh, get an Instagram ad for something and I click on it. But I'm on my phone and so I – don't go through the checkout process or something. And then later I'm on Facebook and I'm retargeted with that same product. And oh, how convenient. The link's right there for me, like (laughs) ready to go. Exactly. I mean, I think it's just, I like to look at these technology things as like just an added benefit to living in 2018 and not in 1945. But Uh I know some people kind of get their panties in a bunch about it. <laughs> oh, I know. My boyfriend works at like a cybersecurity company and he's one of those guys who has oh. like a sticker over his webcam all the time and turns yeah. like, unplugs his Alexa when he doesn't need it. And then I'm over yeah. here like, I run Facebook ads, like opposite that's end of the so spectrum. Funny. Oh my yeah. gosh, that's so funny. Okay, so as far as Facebook ads go, I feel like they're was just so much juicy goodness in what you just shared. But as far as social media analytics kind of as a whole, even if you're not running Facebook ads, what should you be paying attention to? 
Okay. I keep like a monthly Google spreadsheet um, so that I can track my growth for my blog and my business. Um, And kind of depending on your goals, like obviously my goals for my blog are different than my goals for my business. Um, But it's nothing fancy. It's literally just like a spreadsheet. Um, I take a look at follower growth. I take a look at how many blog posts might have gone up that uh, that month. And then I'll take a look at how much traffic I got that month. Like, okay, is there a strong correlation between the more posts I put out? Am I getting more traffic? If I didn't, what kind of topic were these blog posts um, about? And why didn't they resonate with my audience? Um, I also look at like, I look at every channel social media growth, like I'll look at my Facebook growth, my Pinterest growth, and Pinterest is huge for traffic. Um, for bloggers, if you're not on it, mm-hmm. like it's so easy, like you can kind of let it run by itself because Pinterest is a search engine essentially. Like mm-hmm. people are searching for things that could be pertaining to your blog post, and so really make sure you're on Pinterest. Um, but there, if you have like a business Facebook page, you can hit the insights button on like the top uh, menu, and you will be able to see. Um, all your posts and what did best. um, And you can organize it by engagement rate. So that can kind of give you an idea of what did well in your last month and how that can affect your strategy in the first month, you know, try to recreate that same topic. Or um, if you did like a a 101 type blog post, do the 201, like, you know, dive a little deep further. Um, And same with Instagram, like Instagram analytics, you have to have a business profile, which means it's connected to a Facebook profile, Um, offers great insights on you can see how many people uh, like not only liked and commented on your most recent posts, like even from the last year, I believe. Um, Yeah, but you can see how many people saved them, how many impressions you got, you can discover the percentage of people who found you through the explore page the percentage of people who found you through the hashtags you used on that post. And that's like huge when you're planning your hashtag strategy. Like if you did one post that you got 25% of people seeing that just from hashtags, like keep using those hashtags. That's so true. (laughs) Yeah. So you mentioned the business profile on Instagram, and I know that's a hot topic, Mm -hmm. um, especially for bloggers. So what are your thoughts? Do the business profile or don't? I say do it. Um, Me too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Because one, it's going to give you all those analytical options that you wouldn't get if you just had a personal profile. So you're going to be able to see who or what kind of content's working best. And also on stories. I didn't mention it gives you analytics regarding your stories as well. Mm. Um, it like it's just so much worth it to me. I haven't seen any decline in engagement in any way. Um, it's like, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice a decline either. And I mean, here's the thing. So my whole thing is helping bloggers turn their blog into a business and like dropping that hobby thing. Yes. And a lot of bloggers will be like, well, I don't check my insights Ugh. anyway. And I'm like, like oh, what are you doing? That's like step one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's literally like, okay, if you're planning out your content for the next month, don't you want to know what did well in the past for you? Like, yeah. And then you can look at the similarities and what did well and then apply it to your new stuff. Like it just makes sense. Also, like, I'm totally like, a numbers girl, so maybe it's just yeah. personal preference. I Yeah, I like I always think like would Coca-Cola release a product without like 
having numbers. Oh, so to smart. Back up. Yes, that's a great idea. No. Yeah. So, and like, and a lot, I actually said that to a client the other day. I said, okay, if you ran marketing at Coca-Cola, would you do this without research? And she was like, oh, definitely not. Oh. Actually, like, it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> My first internship in college, I was doing marketing for Coca-Cola. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, they when I was on my my whole life I thought I was going to work for a major company like Coca-Cola yep. or Same. whatever. And I and it's so funny because I used to watch Coca-Cola. My, so my dad um he worked he, like I don't Coca-Cola was in the client. It's somehow like they worked together. Okay. Um and so he came home one day. I was like in fourth grade with um, a VHS tape of <laughs> the two thousand, <laughs> right? Like the two thousand. It must have been like two thousand two um, commercials from around the world that Coca Cola aired. Yeah, and it was during like the Sydney Olympics, so there were a lot of Olympics commercials too. I would watch that every single day. I obsessed over really? it. Like, oh, like what's like? How's the Australia commercial different from the one in? Oh my god, you're destined to be in the industry that you're in now. <laughs> <laughs> I totally nerd it out. So that's why Coca Cola like is always ingrained in my head. Yes, for well, marketing, I have always been but, best at marketing. I feel like, like yeah, always. It's so true. So anyway, <laughs> that's so funny. Yes. <laughs> um but yeah so I'm a nerd oh same. for sure and that's why like the numbers like the research part um it's just so important to me um but so regarding Pinterest before we kind of wrap things up here what are your thoughts on Pinterest ads Pinterest ads are great too um but Pinterest advertising platform still has some like kinks in it so it's not as user-friendly as I think Facebook advertising is um, so I think it just takes a little bit longer to get used to. So I say, if you're just starting out, try Facebook ads, see how they work for you. But, um, Pinterest ads, especially at my last job, they brought in so much traffic for us. Like that was a huge, huge part of their growth on their blog. So it's definitely possible, but, um, just, I would maybe just try Facebook first. And then once you figure out what's working on there, you can apply the same strategies or similar strategies to Pinterest. Um, the only difference is on Pinterest, you can you can target more similar to Google AdWords, where you can target based on keywords, which you can't do on Facebook. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So, okay. um, different different uses for each, but they're both very effective. Cool. Awesome. So, if someone wants to dive a little deeper on these social media analytics, like what do you have for them to kind of get started? Yes. So I um, have been working on, it's called the ultimate guide to social media reporting. (laughs) (laughs) And so I realized that when I was doing my end of month social media reports in my little Google, um, what is it called? Google spreadsheets. um, I didn't realize that I'm so I'm the numbers girl, but I would be sending all these numbers and weird acronyms ROI CPC to my clients who didn't know what any of it meant. And so Mm. I was like, okay, maybe I need to put this in a prettier presentation that is easy to understand. Um, Someone can just flip right through it and know where their brand is at and um, 
so they can know how good of a job I did <laughs> at the end of the month. Um, and so I started looking online for um, social media reporting templates. And first of all, they're all ugly. <laughs> they're all like hideous. And um, they just like didn't really cover the good stuff. Like wasn't really anything I would be, I would want to send a client. Um, and so I built this, I, I have a version of it in Canva. I have an InDesign version of it and I have a PowerPoint version of it. So I tried, like, I was like, if girls are like me, I, I don't do InDesign. I like had one of my designer friends make the InDesign template. Cause I knew some girls would probably prefer an InDesign template, but for me, mm-hmm. I freaking love Canva. I stick to what I know. Um, mm-hmm. so I try to just make it as easy as possible because not only is this something that I use for my clients, but like I said, I do this analytics reporting for myself too, but I just don't care about the presentation of it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> totally. Okay. So where can they find you in order if they want that? Is it going to be on the, your website? Yes. They can go to Instagram? my website. Where can they find you for yes, So they can go to my website. Um, so my first, I'll say my Instagram handle, it's B books, B B O O K S. And my website is according to B books. Um, I feel like, should I spell that? Do you think? No, I'll put it in the show. You're the best. Um, (laughs) and so that's going to be found in the shop area of my website. Um, so it'll be like an easy download. Um, it all, it has like instructions with it, a video tutorial, analytics, definitions, um, hopefully everything that you could need. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> really proud That's of awesome. it. Yay. <laughs> yes, you should be. And I love that you have the tutorial to go along with it because there's nothing worse than downloading something and then being like, what do I do now? Seriously. You're like, okay, this is nice. Now what? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Okay. So <laughs> there's two questions that I ask all my guests. And the first one is what is your favorite lifestyle hack? Uh, yes. So I don't know about you, but I sit, I'm sitting down all day at a computer. Um, yep. <laughs> yep. So <laughs> I use four products to kind of um, combat the sitting life. <laughs> so one, I use, <laughs> I use computer glasses to help with the strain on my eyes from looking at a screen all day. Those, I got them at iBuyDirect. Um, and I'm pretty sure like everywhere sells them now. Like they're, they're pretty popular. Oh, nice. Um, and then okay. I got a posture corrector and I got it for like 15 bucks on Amazon. It's kind of, it's like, you kind of look weird when you're wearing it. So thank God I work home alone. <laughs> but it kind of looks like from the front, it looks like you have backpack straps on. And then, oh my God, <laughs> you, know, you probably, I then add the glasses. So I just look like this total nerd. Um, but it really helps me with my posture. Like my back was kind of bugging me. Um, oh, I forgot. No, I have five products. I got a laptop stand, um, to have my laptop be at my eye height. Um, yeah, I love mine. And then, so I was worried about my legs getting all cellulite and veiny from sitting down all day. So I got a dry brush that I use, um, before I hop in the shower, you like, uh, you can, I got mine at Sprouts. It's like a, it's like a Whole Foods. Um, and you like just, you do like upward motions towards your heart, uh, on your legs and on your arms. And it, one, it helps get rid of dry skin Two, it helps with circulation and three, it helps combat cellulite. And then once I get in the shower, I get out, put on some lotion. I use a, like a, it's like a massage roller 
on my legs every day to help further with like breaking down toxins and and like I only do it for like a minute right it's not like I'm like in in pain (laughs) yeah two hours so I'm just like doing a quick like uh run through and I just found that really helps just like keep my body in a in a better equilibrium even though I'm like sitting all day Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah oh my gosh I love that and I think if we even talk about like transitioning from a nine to five to working on your own. When I uh, started working from home, I started to get chronic shoulder pain really? that I, it's taken me a year wow. to fix. Yeah. I was getting really bad. It's going to be something I live. Oh with. my God. I got really bad wrist pain for a while. And then I got that laptop stand and it really, and it, so I was like a, yes. a um, separate keyboard and mouse and that really, really helps. Mm-hmm. So definitely oh my gosh. It. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So then the next one is what was your morning routine like today? Okay. Oh God. What was it like today? I woke up around 7.15 and you know, one of those days when you signed up for the 8.15 gym class. You know where it's going. I was just lying in bed. Um, I do like the meditation app for like, I only, I can only do it for five minutes. I have a really hard time sitting still. And when I was done with it, I was like, I don't feel like going to the gym today. <laughs> and so I then I either make like a cup of tea or a cup of chai tea. Um, I am alert. I just found out I'm intolerant to coffee like a couple months ago and it broke my heart. Oh, my oh it was terrible. Yeah. yeah. But I love chai. Um, and then that's when I, I knock out some emails first thing. So I always try and knock out like the hardest things. And to be honest, I do it in my PJs. <laughs> I, I typically stay in my PJs until like the most important task of my day is done. And then I feel like much more accomplished. And then I hop in the shower, make breakfast. I feel like that's probably what a lot of people do, but it feels good. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, will, I definitely am in my pajamas first thing when I'm diving in. Totally. Work. And I'm not going to lie. I've it's be- I've looked at the time and all of a sudden it's 2 p.m. and I'm taking a shower. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Like, it, sometimes like you just get so sucked in. But um, that's amazing. Well, thank you, Becca, so much for joining. This was such a fun conversation. I feel like we could go on totally. for, I was. I remember when I but... got your email, I was like sitting drinking a Bloody Mary at the Phoenix Open. <laughs> and I like almost <laughs> bit my drink out. I was like, no way. I was like so excited. So I'm glad yeah. this day is here and it was such oh a pleasure. Yes, I know. Okay. Well, I let's definitely talk soon and y'all definitely check out her social media reporting because I know I'm going to because I mean, we if we're treating our businesses like businesses here and not hobbies, like we got to do it. Thanks for listening to the Influencer Girl Lifestyle Podcast. Loved this episode? head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review. For show notes and free tips and trainings, head over to monicawoodhams.com slash podcast. You'll be able to learn more about this week's guest and how to connect with her as well. Talk soon, y'all.